0: It was back in April of 2021, just this last year, I preached a five-part series I called The Praying Peace. God gave me something like this, uh, Lord, please fill me with your power, your presence, your purpose, your passion, your providence, your peace, your purity, your provision, and your protection. They all came to me, all of those came to me in a time of prayer. Nine Ps, ten if you count the word prayer, and I began to pray those nine things every day. I still pray those nine things every day. Lord, please fill me with your power, your presence, your purpose, your passion, your providence, your peace, your purity, your provision, your protection. I pray that he fills me with those. That series was very personal to me, in fact I pondered a long time whether or not I would even do it because it was very personal. That's an example of how God um, works in my life during prayer. I have no idea how He works in your life during prayer. I don't know how He works with you individually when you pray. But I can tell you when I pray, um, I often wonder if there's way more coming down than there is going up. Uh, He's revealing things to me. And if not in the moment, it'll come right after that. It just, something happens. I don't know how to explain it, but it does. Well, here we go again. Except this time it's five D's. And no, I'm not trying to be cute or clever. It's not my style to do either. Five D's. And the difference this time is the do's versus the don'ts. Those 10 P's were all do's. Lord, please fill me. I'm asking you to give me your power, your presence, your purpose. These five D's are don'ts. I don't desire them. I don't need them. I don't want them. And Lord, I'm praying today that you protect me from them. I pray. Here they come. I pray. And now I pray this every day. This happened to me some time ago. I pray every day that I cannot be deceived, I cannot be distracted, I cannot be dissuaded, I cannot be discouraged, and I cannot become disheartened. No matter what happens, no matter what I see, no matter what I witness in the world or even in the church, I pray those five things daily. Except this time my prayer is that they not happen. That I cannot experience those things. I pray that these five things cannot happen to me because I am filled with those nine things. His power, His presence, His purpose. And they are the protection against these other things that are real. And they're powerful. I want to tell you what I told you when I did that last series. This is not a method. I don't believe in methods. Sorry. I don't do methods. You've been around here a while. You know I don't do methods. Methods are the idea that somehow or another we can experience God by religious ritual. That's what methods are. This is not a method. So if you learn these these five uh, D's. And you think, well, it it, it works if I just do it. No, no, that's not how it works. That's a method. Now, if this takes you to the place to where this becomes your heart cry, that's not a method. You see, there's a difference. It must become real to you. So this is my five-week plan. If the Lord allows, I want to talk about these five D's that you don't want to get a hold of you. And I'm going to tell you, they are getting a hold of a lot of people. And they're getting a hold of the church. The series is called While We Wait. And I thought pretty deeply about what I could do to kind of display this, this scene. While we wait, we're waiting. I'm waiting on a king and a kingdom to come. And we, like that song we just sang, we're all weary travelers, and, and, and sometimes I get weary, and I get beat down, and, and, and I, need, I need to keep my eyes focused on what's real and what's true. While we wait, we need to pray that God protects us from these five things. Why? These five D's, now I've come to realize in a time of prayer that these five D's that I'm going to spend five weeks on, one a week, are the tools of Satan. Satan uses these to destroy our fellowship with God and our ability to serve Jesus Christ. He uses them. And, And I think about, even right now, I think about when the Apostle Paul, he's talking to the church at Corinth. And he says something like this. He says, and we are not unaware of his schemes. So God, through the Holy Spirit, reveals to us some of the methods and schemes of Satan. How does he do it? How does he he get us? We're going to focus on that. So here we go. We're going to get started today. And the first one is deceived. Now, the definition, the English definition to this word deceived, listen carefully, okay? To believe something that's not true. Deceived is to believe something that's not true. But here's a second part of that, and I find this very interesting. Typically, in order to gain some personal advantage. let, Let me tell you why that's interesting to me. It's a lot easier to deceive me if the deception leads me in a place that I really wanted to go anyway. You see what I mean? It's harder to deceive me to go somewhere I didn't want to go. You're going to have to be better at it. But if I already want it, it's a lot easier to lie to me about how to get it. Because in my inclination, I'm already leaning that way anyway. I don't want to be deceived. I don't want to live my life believing something that's not true. Now there's synonyms which might help you understand the word as we go through it today. Swindle, defraud, cheat, trick, hoodwink, I like that one, hoodwink, hoax, dupe, taken in, mislead, delude. These are tools of Satan. And they are used in spiritual warfare. And I want you to know, if you study the Bible, here's what you'd find out pretty quick. Satan's primary weapon is deceit. Do you know that? His primary weapon is deceit. People will die because of this first D. Leading to the big D called death. And the big D, I call it the big D, death, is because it's eternal. You do not recover from it. Let me put it this way. Deceived is deadly. It'll kill you. So this is an important topic today. Not just kill you physically dead, but kill you spiritually dead. And separate you from God, life itself forever. So let me give you an example, a real life example of this first D called deceived and why I say to you today that it'll kill you. Let's go back to Genesis 3 verse 4. Genesis 3 verse 4. You won't die. You won't die. The serpent replied to the woman. What do you think about that, church? What do you think about that statement? You won't die. Now, you must understand something here. This is really important. God had already told them, you will die. So this is not a guessing game. God had already told them, you will die if you eat from that tree. One of these voices in the garden is truth. And one of these voices in the garden is a liar. He's not telling the truth. It's a bad thing to be wrong about because the penalty is death, the big D. And I can tell you, and I think most of you are fully aware that he got her. He got her. He deceived her. It's always been interesting to me, I could spend a lot of time talking about it that I don't have today, it's always been interesting to me why did Satan go to Eve instead of Adam. But he did, and it is clear. I don't really know all the reasons for that, but I can tell you today what I do know. From the Apostle Paul, He says this, now jump over to the New Testament, 1 Timothy 2 verse 14, the Apostle Paul, now by the way, he's the one who was lifted up into the third heaven, and he experienced God in ways that you and I cannot comprehend, even in some ways that he couldn't even talk about. But he could talk about this because he said, and it was not Adam who was deceived. Do you know that? It was not Adam who was deceived by Satan. The woman was deceived and sin was the result. He got her. Let's start there. He he got her. Satan deceived Eve. There's our word. Satan deceived Eve. She believed the lie when she clearly knew the truth. Go back and study Genesis 3. She clearly knew in advance the truth. She knew. But he got her. He deceived her. Do you remember the definition of deceived? I read earlier to believe something that's not true, typically in order to gain some personal advantage. It's easy to be deceived when the lie looks advantageous, right? It's much harder to deceive somebody who doesn't really want to go in that direction. But what if it looks good? It looks favorable. It looks advantageous. Did Satan make it look good to Eve? Yes. Satan made that forbidden fruit look delicious, but there's one problem. It's a lie. Let's go to verse 4. You won't die, Satan said. The serpent replied to the woman, God knows that your eyes will be opened. As soon as you eat, your eyes will be opened. You're going to see things you've never seen before. And you'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. Satan's deception plays on our desire for advantage. Satan's deception plays on our desire for personal gain. Do you think he doesn't know that? Can you see it in this scene? Your eyes will be open to see what you've never seen before. I like to describe that as a promise for a higher level of enlightenment. Okay, right now you can get enlightened up to this point, but if you'll go do this, you can get enlightened up to this point. It's a higher level of enlightenment. Satan offered Eve a higher level of enlightenment. You can see things you've never seen before. You can be like God. You can make your own rules, determine your own good, your own evil. You won't have to listen to him. You can go from here to here to here to here. She had already noticed the fruit looked delicious. That's advantageous, right? Who doesn't want to be enlightened? He got her. Let's just say it out loud. He, he got her. She knew the truth, right? Oh, to be deceived. She knew the truth, but she got deceived. He got her. He convinced her. He, convinced her to believe that which was untrue. He got her. That's what he does. Next verse, verse 6. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. She gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. And at that moment Their eyes were open and they, now it's both of them, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed big leaves together to cover themselves. Oh, to be deceived, but you'll gain wisdom. Oh, to be hoodwinked. Yes, her eyes were open, but what did they see? Yeah, yeah. Their eyes were open, but what did they see? It says they saw shame, they saw guilt, and they saw nakedness before God. He convinced her. He got her. Satan convinced Eve to believe a lie that was supposed to bring her some sort of advantage over her previous condition, but there's one problem. It was not true. It's a lie. Do you know how I know that? Do you know how I can absolutely, positively tell you he's a liar and he got her? It's one verse, Genesis 5, verse 5. Adam lived 930 years and then he died. There you go. He died. Now, let me stop for a moment and make a huge, huge point today. Some of you in this room right now some of you watching maybe online right now are struggling to believe this let's just start there some of you i know for a fact are struggling to believe this and when i say this i'm talking about the whole adam and eve and the serpent and the garden story of the book of genesis now some people are already struggling with the validity of the story that I'm using to make the point about deception, about being deceived. And while you're struggling with Genesis, at the same time, you want to say, or you do say, but I believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus. You don't believe in Adam and Eve. You don't believe in the Genesis account, but I believe in Jesus. So I'm not trying to run you off or shut you down because of that point. I'm going to ask you a logical question. So if that's true, then why do you think people die? So, and why do people die? See, Genesis explains the reason people die. The deception entered into a man, and everybody from that man dies. So why do you, you reject that Genesis account, Adam, Eve, garden, serpent, snake, all that, then, then why do people die? Everyone dies, but why? Let's take it a step further. Do you believe in Adam and Eve? Is that the truth? Do you believe that there were two people, Adam and Eve, real people? Is that the truth? Did everyone on earth come originally from Adam and Eve? Is that the truth or is that an old-fashioned lie? Charles Darwin said you come from chance random processes over millions of years. It was a book called The Origin of the Species. It was published in 1859. Is that the truth or is that a lie? Now here's the reason I make a point of that. Charles Darwin rejects the Genesis account. He published a book and all intellectuals just flocked to it. Why? Because it's easy to flock to a deception that makes it advantageous to you that you can become your own God now. You can decide good and evil for yourself now. Wow, isn't that attractive? If it were true. You see, here's the problem. Charles Darwin, Origin of the Species, Genesis account. They can't both be true. It's impossible. Logic will tell you it's impossible. They can't. One of them's wrong. Let's fast forward to a guy named Stephen Hawking just a few years ago. Stephen Hawking, he, he became this Einstein of modern day, perhaps one of the most intelligent people ever lived on the earth, and at least that's what I'm told. Stephen Hawking said Charles Darwin's theory is untenable. Untenable. Those are his words. So he came up with another one. He, he, looked into that 1859 doctrine of the uh, origin of the species, it says it's untenable, it's, it, it's not practical, it, can't be, it couldn't have happened. So he comes up with his own theory to replace the book of Genesis. Hawking said that life was carried here inside of ice crystals from other galaxies, or he gave another option, life was carried here from other galaxies on ice crystals. Or, alien creatures from other galaxies came here in the beginning, in which I would obviously said, if I was around Stephen Hawking, then where did the alien creatures come from? So let me ask you a second question. Is that true? Is Steve, is, did Stephen Hawking undo Charles Darwin's theory of evolution? And he produced now the truth. Or is Genesis true? They can't all be true. It's impossible. They can't all be true. One of them is true. Two of them obviously are untrue. But my favorite alternative is this one. Another viewpoint. This one comes from Bill Nye the science guy. One of my favorites. Back in 2017, Bill Nye went and actually visited the Ark encounter up in northern Kentucky, had this big discussion with Ken Ham there. And if you know anything about Ken Ham and the Ark, Ken Ham and I both agree on this. We believe that Genesis is the truth about the origin of man and the reason people die. So, that's just who we are. We believe that's True. So Bill Nye, the science guy, goes to the Ark Encounter. He meets with Ken Ham. And he, in that scene, you can go look it up if you want to. In that scene, he makes four proclamations of truth. Four proclamations of truth from Bill Nye, the science guy, right? The guy with the little funny bow tie. You let your kids watch him on Saturday morning. Here's what it is. Number one. It's not, and I'm quoting, it's not crazy to believe we're descendants from Martians. Okay, number two. And when you're dead, you're done. And number three, right and wrong is determined by the consensus of the tribe. And number four, the universe and life arose by natural processes. No supernatural whatsoever. So, I, I give you, I'm giving you this a smorgasbord of truth today. Which one's true? Which They can't all be true. You, you would have to logically say, all of these cannot be true. So, who's right? Everyone can't be right. Somebody must be wrong. They can't all be true. Someone's telling the truth, and someone's lying. Oh, oh, to be deceived. Charles Darwin, Stephen Hawking, Bill Nye, and go ahead and include some-most of the academic institutions in the world today and ask the question, where did we all come from and why do people die? Just two questions. Foundational questions of truth. Where did we all come from and why do people die? If Charles Darwin is right. I'm not sure why any of us are here today. Let's be honest, okay? Can we just be honest with the question? If Charles Darwin is right that we come from chance random processes, life in itself is meaningless and without hope. If Stephen Hawking and Bill Nye are right, I don't think you need to come back next Sunday. How's that for advertising? If they're right, life has no meaning, it has no purpose, this is all meaningless, you should eat, drink, and be merry, because all that's going to happen is you're going to die and go to nothingness. Bill Nye said, when you're dead, you're done. So here's the question, when you're dead, you're done. When you're dead, you're done. Is he right, or is he, here comes our word, deceived? Oh to be deceived. what if they've all been deceived? Charles Darwin, Stephen Hawking, Bill Nye, what if they've all been deceived? and what if they are all dead wrong? Were they there in the beginning? Here's where I'm going. Were they there, was Charles Darwin, Stephen Hawking, Bill Nye, were they there in the beginning when Adam and Eve first lived in the garden? They weren't there, so how could they know the origin of man? How could they actually know the origin of the species? They weren't there, so how could they know the reason for death? These two big questions. How could they know the reason people die? And how could they know where the first person came from? Was anyone there in the beginning? And does anyone know the real truth? There's one. There's one. One who was there in the beginning from the dawn of creation itself. Only one, and guess what? Listen carefully. Only one, and guess what? Some 4,000 years after the creation. Some 4,000 years after the time of Adam and Eve. This one, this one, this one came and introduced himself to a man we call the Apostle Paul. And he told him about the origins of man. And he told him about the reason for death. And, and let me say this. This is not the only revelation of this one. This one encountered Moses. And that's where Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy comes from. But but go past Moses. This one who was there in the beginning introduces himself to a man named Paul. And reveals the origin of man and the reason of death. And reveals the origin of man and the reason for death. Someone who was there in the beginning says it, tells it, reveals it. No guessing. Paul then writes down the message from the one who was there in the beginning. He writes it down. Paul writes it down so the world could know the truth about life and death to keep us from what? To keep us from what? To keep us from being deceived. Because now we know the answer to those two questions. Where do we come from and why do people die? Lord, today I pray that we, the church, cannot be deceived. Now this is big. So what did Paul write down after encountering the one who was there in creation? What did the one who was actually there at the beginning tell Paul that you and I need to hear today? And by the way, Paul is revealing this truth to the Bill Nye's of that ancient day in a place called Greece, when all the academics and smart people had gathered together in Athens, Greece, and here comes Paul with his announcement from the one who was there in creation. Acts 17, 26. Here's what Paul says. After encountering the one from creation itself, from one man, he, one man, who do you think he is? He's Adam. From one man, he, God, created all the nations throughout the whole earth. From one man, Adam, God created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and when they should fall. And he determined their national boundaries. From one man, the creator said, we all came from Adam. Every nation, every tribe, every language, we all came from Adam. What else did this one who was there in the beginning reveal to the Apostle Paul? This time, he announces it to the Gentiles in Rome, a Roman church, Romans 5, 12. And when Adam sinned, we're looking for the answer to the two big questions. Where did we come from, and why did people die? When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam sinned brought death. So death spread to everyone. For everyone sinned. That's it. That's the answer to our two big questions from one who was actually there in the beginning. We all came from one man, Adam. Adam sinned and brought death to all that would come from his seed, from his lineage. Sin brought death, and death has spread to the whole world, and everyone became sinners. Sin was a deadly contagion, and everyone has contracted the sickness that leads to certain death. Is that it? Is that all that the one who was there in creation revealed to the Apostle Paul? Is that the story of man? Is that all that the one that was there in the beginning of creation reveals, or is there more? Is that it? We are born with this sin sickness, we live and we die. Is that it? When you're dead, you're done? Is there any hope for us mortals beyond the grave? Yes, there's more, and oh yes, there's more. Same chapter, same context. Romans chapter 5, verse 18. Yes. Adam's one sin. Adam's one sin brings condemnation. Now that's death, okay? That's what that is. Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. If the sin of one man brought death to all of mankind, what would happen if there was another man, a second Adam, but this one never sinned? This one, what if there was a second Adam that was, listen, never deceived? Satan never got him. Never. If everyone on earth was from Adam, that means we are all under the curse of sin and death. But what if there was one that is not from Adam's seed? one that is not, that does not claim Adam as his father, born of a different father, born of a different bloodline altogether, this would change everything. If sin is the cause of death, then death could be stopped by the one who does not sin. If deception brought sin and sin brought death, If you could find one that was never deceived, you would find one that never sinned, and he could cure death. But is there such a man? Listen, church. Is there a second Adam? Is there a last Adam? One without sin, one without deception. One that is truth in himself. One from God. One whose father is God and not Adam. Yes, but only one. He is Christ, the Lord. First Corinthians fifteen forty-five. The scriptures tell us that the first man, the first man, Adam, became a living person. But the last Adam, that is Christ, is a life-giving spirit. What comes first is the natural body, then the spiritual body comes later. Adam, the first man, was made from the dust of the earth, while Christ, the second man, came from heaven. Not the dust of the earth, heaven. Earthly people are like the earthly man. You and I are like Adam. Heavenly people are like the heavenly man. Just as we are now like the earthly man, Adam. Somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Y'all didn't act like you meant it. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Just as we are now like the earthly man, we will someday be like the heavenly man. You know how big this is? The first man, Adam, was not a life giving spirit. He was a death giving sinner. Now, I need to say something right about now. I think it's important I say something. Believing in Adam and Eve won't save you. Do you hear me? Believing in the last Adam will. So what's the problem and why are you doing this today? Because here's where the deception occurs. Believing in Adam and Eve won't save you. But if you reject the Adam and Eve story, can you tell me why you would ever believe in Jesus, the last Adam? Because the very purpose of the last Adam was to undo the death of the first Adam. And if you reject the first Adam, then you'll never make sense of the last Adam. And that would take away this point at all. That in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. If you think you can reject Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy and take a hold of the word when it comes over into Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, can I just say it out loud? You've already been deceived. Because in the beginning was the Word. And when did you think the beginning was? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. So when he tells the Apostle Paul about Adam and Eve and sin and death, he is the Word become flesh. The first man, Adam, was not a life-giving spirit. He was a death-giving sinner, but there is another Adam, and he is a life-giving spirit. Focus on the word for a moment, life-giving spirit. What if we could connect our lives to this second Adam who comes from the Holy Father in heaven? How is that even possible for us humans, us sinful humans, to connect our lives to this life-giving spirit, the second Adam? How is that possible? How could the sin-filled descendants of Adam ever transfer into this family, this spiritual genealogy of the last Adam named Jesus Christ? The man from the other father, God himself. How can you you make that transfer? We were all born into the seed of Adam. Let it be clear. Whether you want to acknowledge it or not, we were all born into the seed of Adam. We would have to be born a second time. We're all born into the seed of Adam, right? So we would have to be born a second time, spiritually speaking. How is that even possible? Did the one from heaven tell us how? Yeah, he did. In John chapter 3, verse 1, there was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, We all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You know the best way to to mess up deception? Have somebody tell you the truth. Here he comes. I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you got to get out of Adam's family. You got to get in this other family. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean? exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of the water and born of the Spirit. Why? Why? Because Jesus explains it. Because humans can only reproduce humans. Adam can only make more atoms. Humans can only reproduce human life. But the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say... You must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. So you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. Today, I can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. I can't tell you how it happens. I can just tell you it happens. I can't tell you how when I'm praying, God puts things in my head. I I can't tell you how it happens. It just happens. It's the Spirit. So how is this possible, Nicodemus asked. Can we, today, can we really be born again, transferred from Adam's fallen family into the family of Christ, the second Adam? Is there really a way to be set free from the curse of sin and death and connect our lives to this life-giving spirit of Jesus Christ? And by connecting our life To Jesus' life, we are naturally, at that point, connected to the Father Himself. Is, Is that possible? I declare to you today, yes. There is a way, there is a truth, and there is a life for all who will believe. Believe what? The truth. What truth? Human life can only reproduce human life. I want that to sink in for a moment. You and I are all from Adam. We are human life. All descendants from the seed of Adam. Human life can only reproduce human life, but the Holy Spirit can reproduce something different. Spirit life. Oh, to be deceived. What would that deception look like today? Now, I've done all of that to come to now. What would that deception look like now? Let's look at some options in our search for truth today. Maybe it's Darwin's religion of evolution. Maybe you're you're hearing my voice today, and you're still stuck there. You, You can't even get past Genesis. You open the book, you can't even get past Genesis. It's highly unlikely you're going to find much over Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Oh, to be deceived. So, if you're stuck in you can't handle Genesis, can you just be reasonable with the two questions? Where did we come from? And why do people die? Do, do you really think it was Martians? Or are you convinced it was ice crystals? Is that more believable to you than a creator God? You see, Deception works best when it, is, when it offers you an advantage. The advantage would be that if there is no creator God, then I can be God myself, to myself, for myself. Wow, wouldn't that be fun if it were true? And why do people die? If Genesis is not true, then why do people die? Their batteries run down. Oh, to be deceived. Is it... I want to look at some options. Or maybe it's a religion that looks like this. Maybe your struggle, maybe the deception of Satan today isn't Genesis. Maybe it isn't the origin of man. Maybe that's not it. Maybe you're okay with that. You you don't believe Bill Nye's logic that when you're dead, you're done. Maybe that's not it at all. Maybe... It's a religion that looks like this. God is love, and everyone goes to heaven, All to be deceived. Maybe that's it, because deception is what? Deception works best when it plays on your emotion that that's what I was really hoping for anyway. So it's more likely I'm going to be deceived and like the deception if it's something I was hoping for anyway. What? Everyone goes to heaven. Right? God is good. He's merciful. He's gracious. He would never send anybody to hell. Right? Maybe it's that. Oh, to be deceived. We are born, we live, and we die, and there's nothing on the other side of the grave. Maybe that's it. Maybe the deception is is human evolution. Maybe the deception is the opposite. Maybe God did create, and everyone goes to heaven. Right? Maybe that's it. Or maybe it's this. Yeah, we were created, and yeah, we're going to die. And when you die, it's a fade to black unconsciousness. It's over. When you're dead, you are done. So maybe it's that one. Oh, to be deceived. Maybe it's this one. Maybe it's about how good you are. Maybe that's it. Being a good neighbor, a good husband, a good wife, a good father, a good brother, a good sister, a good friend, you recycle? Hey, that ought to be in there too, right? I recycle. You volunteer at the food pantry on Thanksgiving and Christmas? That's it, right? I get to go to heaven. Oh, to be deceived. Do you want the truth? Church. You see, only the truth will set you free from sin and death. The truth always overpowers the deception, but I ask you the truth. See, here's the problem. There's a whole lot of people that down deep, they won't say it out loud, they really don't want the truth. They deny the truth. They don't like the truth. And here's here's the reason why. What if the truth is harder than the lie? Do you still want the truth? What if the truth is harder than the lie? And what if the truth seems unnatural and difficult, and even with short-term disadvantage? What if if the truth actually means short-term hardship, long-term gain? Would you still want the truth? Are you sure? Because here it comes. Whether you like it or not, here it comes. Jesus said this in Matthew 10. I hope you're ready. Everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But everyone who denies me here on earth, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. And don't imagine that I came to bring peace to the earth. I came not to bring peace, but a sword. I have come to set a man against his Father. A daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Your enemies will be right in your own household. If you love your father and mother more than you love me, church, anybody listen? If you love your father and mother more than you love me, you aren't worthy of being mine. And if you love your son or daughter more than me, you're not worthy of being mine. And if you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you are not worthy of being mine. And if you cling to your life, you're going to lose your life. But if you give up your life for me, you'll find it. Is that true? I just read that. Is that true? If you refuse to acknowledge Jesus as Lord on this earth, you're going to be rejected in heaven? Oh, to be deceived. Is that true to deny Christ now will mean your denial into the presence of the Father forever? Oh, to be deceived. Is that true? Jesus came to bring a sword, not peace. His name and His truth will divide families. It will divide nations. Oh. To be deceived. Is that true? People will hate you if you side with Jesus. Yes, even even inside your own family, inside your own house. Oh, to be deceived. Is that true? Jesus comes before kids. Is that true? Jesus comes before your spouse. He comes before everything. Oh, to be deceived. Is that true? If you take up a cross, I have to take up a cross. I have to die to myself in order to be born again. I cannot be born again until I spiritually die to me. Oh, to be deceived. Is that true? If I cling, hold to my life, trying to save my life here on this side I will lose my life forever oh to be deceived can you hear Satan today in Genesis 3 because I can't you won't die you won't die you can be like God knowing both good and evil oh to be deceived God wouldn't really send anyone to hell right I hear people tell me that all the time oh to be deceived it was several years ago just in my head I came up with this little thing I believe that if you believed you were lost and Jesus had the power to save you I believe you'd believe in Jesus I'll say it again I believe that if you believed you were lost and Jesus had the power to save you I believe you'd believe in Jesus deceived to believe something that's not true Typically, in order to gain personal advantage or gain. So, I have three closing questions for everyone today. Do you know where you came from? The origin of human life? Are you sure? Because if so, if you believe in the Genesis account, do you understand that you stand against the academic world? You will be mocked and ridiculed. Number two, do you know? why you're here now the purpose and meaning of your life do you are you sure number three do you know where you're going do you know the future are you sure you see satan is a deceiver and it was his deception that brought death into the kingdom of men he has been the prince of this dark world ever since But I close today by telling you his outcome. I want to tell you today the end of the road for deception. The place where the absence of truth will dwell forever. Listen carefully. There is an end of the road for the big D called deception and the deceiver. And it is a place that is the absence of truth forever, and truth is a person. I want to read it to you. The Bible, the truth, has revealed that one day, maybe soon, the Antichrist is coming to this earth, and I want you, church, please have ears to hear what I'm about to read. I want you to notice the details of his arrival. This five-week series is called While We Wait, Session One, Deceived. We can overcome the deception only by knowing the truth, and I'm going to tell you the truth. This is what's coming. Notice the wording. 2 Thessalonians 2.9, this man, this antichrist, this man of lawlessness, this man will come to do the work of Satan. How does he do it? With counterfeit power, signs, and miracles. How does he do it? He will use every kind of evil deception. It's how he does it. He will use every kind of evil deception to fool those on their way to destruction. Oh, to be deceived. Because they refuse to accept the truth. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth. They refuse to accept the truth that would have saved them. So God will cause them to be greatly deceived. There's that word again. And they will believe these lies. And they will be condemned for enjoying evil rather than believing the truth. There's only one way to keep from being deceived, church. It is to know the truth. And this is how it will end. This is the truth. Revelation 20, verse 10. And then the devil, who had what? Say it out loud. Deceived them. And the devil who had deceived them, who had deceived them, who had deceived them, do you want to go with him? Was thrown into what? The fiery lake of burning sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophet. There they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Today, I tell you the truth. This is the end. It has been foretold, announced. This will be the end of all deception. They'll be tormented forever and ever. I'll ask Chad to come out for the invitation. Today, I pray this prayer. Lord, I pray we cannot be deceived. And the problem is, the Bible has already announced that in the last days, there will be an apostasy taking place when the Antichrist arrives. And do you know what the apostasy is? It's the great falling away. The great falling away from what? This and the reality is some people either in this room or maybe watching online you're in it or you're on the edge of it and while we wait the spiritual battle will intensify satan knows his time is short we're in a spiritual war and while we wait his tool is deception his god's word is truth. We trust His Word. Every promise He ever made for you is yes, through Jesus Christ our Lord. But apart from Christ, you're lost. So there's a song. You sang it right about communion time. I asked Chad to sing it for this series. It's Weary Traveler. I look at the faces of some people here today and you're tired. Sometimes I'm tired too. So we're going to start to pray. Lord. Lord, protect us, protect your church. May it be impossible for me to be deceived, distracted, dissuaded, discouraged, or disheartened. May it be not even possible because the one who is in me holds back that deception. So Father, I pray that this church, your church, your bride cannot be deceived. Satan will have no power of deception because we know the truth and that truth has set us free from sin and death and the lies of Satan. In Jesus' name. And amen. Invitations open. Let's stand together.